Okay, here we go. Now put it in reverse. Got it. Now forward. Okay. Reverse. Now turn the wheel. Alright. Turn the wheel! No! Reverse! Reverse! Slow the out! Go kill it! Kill it! Kill the owner! There's a reason they say curse like a sailor. I said reverse! Many reasons. Progressive's boat insurance has you covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Well, we're doc now. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. to the NBA Front Office Show. I'm your host, Keith Smith. I am joined by my co-host, Pete Cole, this evening. Our producer, Connorell, is out and about uh, living that uh, 2020-year-old life, Pete. We're not that anymore. We're homebound yeah. at this time of the evening. So he's uh, he's out and about. He'll join us back for the next show, but he's still doing all the hard work and putting this show together, editing it, and getting it all posted and everything for you all. So just just Pete and I tonight, we got a bunch of news to run through, a bunch of transactions and signings, the kind of stuff you're, you come to this show for. We're going to dive uh, deep into all of these guys and everything that's going on with this. So let's start it out, though. Pete, how are you doing? I know it's been a little bit since the last show. I'm doing great. Um, hope you're doing good, Keith. Ready to kind of get in news and notes into news yeah. and notes. Absolutely, yeah. No, I'm doing doing fantastic. I'm, uh, you know, really excited. The All Star break was a lot of fun, but I'm excited we're back at it and and ready to go. And big thing that happened today was the eligibility deadline. If a player was not waived today, they are not eligible to sign with another team and go to the playoffs. So we are pretty much done with the buyout market. One thing to be clear on that eligibility deadline because this question comes up a lot they just have to be waived by today they don't have to be signed by today so in the case of Corey Brewer uh, we'll just go ahead and start with him since I'm bringing him up or even uh, Trevor Booker but we'll start with Corey Brewer Corey Brewer is not signed with the Thunder who he's rumored to be signing with uh, but he is still eligible to play in the playoffs for them. Just have to be waived by today. Did not have to be signed by today. So hopefully we can make that clear. So let's let's start out with that one, Pete, Corey Brewer. Uh, the Lakers side of this, nothing really to be said. He was really in and out of their rotation. They, they don't need him. They've got younger guys that they want to give minutes to, guys that are part, potentially part of their future uh, at the positions he plays. So nothing really on the Lakers side for that. So the Thunder side, what do you think he brings to Oklahoma City? Uh, the biggest thing is veteran leadership, and he, of course, brings defense. He can shoot the three ball a little bit. They kind of need that because their their rotation of of wings really took a hit with Andre uh, Roberson out for the season. Then you have, um, you know, basically behind them, Josh Hustis, um, Terrence Ferguson, who's a rookie, and then uh, Kyle Singler, Alex Abrinas. So, you know, not a ton of, um, you know, quality depth there. And not that, that I think Corey Brewer is going to come in and, and, you know, really energize the team, but he's going to give him stability at the position. A guy that's a veteran 
um, you know, guard forward that you can, you know, count on for defense and, and shoot the three a little bit and, and help them off the bench come playoff time. Yeah, you know, it's funny you said off the bench because I think there's mm. a chance he might end yeah. up starting uh, for them. I don't, mm. I don't think he'll come right in and start, but I think down the line he may start. Really, whenever uh, Robertson's been out, he missed a little bit of time early in the year, and then obviously he's been out for, what, a month and a half or so now. I think it is, that, and he's out for the remainder of the season. That second wing spot, so Paul George has one of them locked down. It really, all the guys they have on the roster, they're, they're both, they're, or rather, they're all – uh, capable of playing the two or the three, so I just kind of group them together. It's been a revolving door between Josh Hustis, Alex Abrinas, Terrence Ferguson. All those guys have had shots at starting for periods. The guys have been the primary backup. I don't know that Brewer, even in his, let's call it, diminished state, is really any worse than any of those guys. He was at one point known as a really good wing defender. Uh, and that was the role he played for Billy Donovan way back in the day when he was the University of Florida coach. He was, you know, on that team that uh, had a lot of success and Brewer was their primary wing stopper. So it, it would not surprise me at all if he takes over that second starting wing spot. Not so much because of how good he is, but it's really because of the lack of better options. That's actually a good point. I didn't even think of that because right now they're basically Houston has been in there um, before yep. that it was Ferguson and, and, you know, both have kind of shown a little bit of spark, but then they, you know, kind of trailed off pretty quickly. So they need stability. Yeah, I, I think they were really looking forward to seeing Alex Sabrinas step up this year. And it just hasn't happened. It was, you know, he was one of those guys they waited on him for a while after drafting him. They, those guys kind of, we've seen this over and over again, those guys, those Europeans, their their legend grows as they're, you know, over in Europe and kind of out of sight but never really out of mind and people start to get really excited for, you know, I'll oh, get it once this guy gets over and it'll be this and he'll be that. And then some of them come over and they're, they're terrific. And then other ones they get over here and they're never really what everybody would hope they'd be. And that's kind of what Abrinas has been to me. I, I, I don't blame him that first year. That's a transition year. It's going to take a little while, but this second year, he just hasn't stepped up. He's really been a disappointment for me so far this year. What do you think about him? I just defensively, he can't hold pretty much yeah. anybody. That's the yeah. biggest thing. And I expect, you know, players coming from the EuroLeague to struggle a little bit, take a little bit of time there. But his forte is shooting, you know, from the three point uh, territory. And it's just not been there. You know, it's been very yeah. inconsistent. And, and if you're there to be a shooter and you can't down, knock down shots, then, you know, you're not going to play, plain and simple. Yeah, absolutely. One last thing on Brewer before we move on to our next guy on the list is I think he gives them – when they had Robertson, you could see a path for them potentially beating Houston or maybe even going toe-to-toe with the Warriors. Brewer's not going to do that, but I think he gives them a better option of doing that than than they have with anybody else on the roster. I think you want as many of those guys that are in that 6'5 to 6'9 range that can allow you to play small, allow you to really match up all over the court, switch everything. And they're going to, if he does work out for them and is in there, you'll, you'll see that. I think they'll be, be all right as they go. So, all right. uh, The next uh, one on our list as we go through the buyouts here, the the next guy, let's go to your Mm -hmm. team, Pete. Let's go to the, to to your Philadelphia 76ers. So they added another uh, veteran bench player in Ursan Ilyasova. 
from the Atlanta Hawks. So apparently they just wanted to go after the entire Hawks bench um, <laughs> of veterans. I, I don't know why they didn't just make that trade in the right. first place, but uh, you know, we all kind of had a laugh about that and it didn't happen, but now it has in order to free that spot up. They did wave Trevor Booker. I had speculated heavily on Twitter that that would be the way to go simply because they only had three expiring contracts, which were Booker, Amir Johnson and JJ Redick. They're obviously Reddick and Johnson are, are rotation guys. Reddick's a starter. Johnson's been a rotation guy spot starter whenever Embiid needs to sit. So neither one of those guys was going to go. So that really left Booker or then eating money for another year. And they weren't going to eat money for one of their young guys because they, they like their young wings. So Justin Anderson, uh, Timothy Lawawu Cabarro, those guys weren't going anywhere. They weren't going to let Rashawn Holmes go. He's, you know, they've got a lot invested in him as a, you know, young big man, cost controlled at just over the minimum for next season as well. And the same, obviously, for TJ McConnell. So that really left it to Trevor Booker. So for me, it was kind of a almost a no brainer. But I still had a lot of people say, no way, it can't be Booker. Like they just traded Okafor in second round picks to get him. Did, as a Sixers guy, did it surprise you that Trevor Booker was the guy? No, because it was the only you know, salary-wise, logical option. Plus, you look at just the kind of balance of, of the roster. You have Amir Johnson that can kind of get rebounds, um, you know, play a little bit of defense. So, And then Rashawn Holmes, of course, as well. So, Ilyasova gives you that different look of a guy that can stretch the floor out to three. Not that Booker can't shoot the three, but Booker is just a little bit different kind of player. Plus, I think from Philadelphia's side, they they likely came to – to Trevor Booker and and said, okay, what situation you know do you think around the league that you would want to kind of go to? And um, once the Pacers Pacers showed um, interest, then that was a perfect fit because Booker can slide into the rotation and get some some minutes there um, off the bench. Yeah, definitely. And in you know, so a couple of things too with Ilyasova, the Sixers came out already this morning. They actually said we're recording this on Wednesday or Thursday, rather March first. Um, we are recording this, and they have a game tonight against Cleveland Cavaliers. And before that game, they came out and said Dario Saric will remain the starter at power forward, which that's the way to go. They're, as I kind of put on Twitter, if it's not broke, you don't need to fix it. And their starting five is far from broke. They're 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 doing quite well in that area. So there's no reason to change that up. And I think Ilyasova comes in and he almost gives them somewhat what Sarch gives them as far as the ability to stretch the floor in space. He's a really good positional defender annually. He's among the league leaders in charges charges taken. You know, so he, he's a just a you know, smart player. The addition of him and Bellinelli really helped shore up the team's biggest weakness, which was yep. shooting. They just did. They didn't have enough shooting. It was, you know, all Reddick and Covington and really no one else in the second unit, especially had no shooting when they get deep into the second units, TJ McConnell, for all the things he does, the one thing he doesn't, it's not that he can't shoot. He doesn't shoot. <laughs> like he, you know, it's, I, I looked at it one day. His, his uh, shot chart for the year looks more like a, like a 1980s and 90s yeah, it does. than it does a, a, a you know, a six foot two point guard. Um, so, you know, I think that's interesting. And the last thing to kind of close the book on the Ilyasova side, Philly, a lot of people said Jared Bayless should be the guy who goes. They should have traded Jared or really waived Jared Bayless. I realize people hate Jared mm-hmm. Bayless, Philadelphia fans. They just see him as a waste of, you know, eight point or nine million dollars this year, eight point six million next year. But the important thing to note is that eight point six million can be used as salary matching in a trade. 
this summer. And they, they, I know there's all this, the, the billboards for LeBron James, and everybody's getting all fired up about that. And, and maybe something happens there, maybe it doesn't. But they don't have the cap space that people think that they have, mostly because the extensions for Robert Covington and Joel Embiid kick in. So those, you know, that Embiid's number jumps from 6.1 million to at least 25.2, potentially more, pending where he lands, you know, in all NBA voting and uh, defensive player of the year voting. And Covington is on the books for 10.5 million next season. So just something to kind of keep in mind if you're a Philadelphia watcher out there that, you know, they may not have the cap space you think that they they have because it's really not, they're not set up like they've been in the last couple of years. And that's not, not a criticism because those were the right moves to sign Embiid and to sign Covington. It's just the way it is. It's just the reality of what the situation is. So Bayless and that $8.6 million becomes really a nice piece as an expiring contract to be moved in trade. And that's, I think, a big chunk of why they didn't, didn't move on from him. The other guy who was mentioned was Amir Johnson. And just real quickly, I did some Philadelphia area radio uh, in the last couple of days. And one of the things that I said is why you don't move Amir Johnson is one, he's your kind of veteran big. He He's had a really good influence by all reports on the, the young bigs on the team. It also, this is not to say he is Joel Embiid because he is not, but because he can stretch the floor a little bit and he's a really, really good passer uh, for his position, you don't have to change your offense. You can run a lot of the same actions you run. And that's that's really important with a young team to have that kind of continuity as you go through the season. And it just makes it easier on everybody as you get into it. So, so, so we mentioned Trevor Booker. He's gone, and you mentioned it, Pete. He's already uh, latched on or will sign, but already agreed to our terms with the Indiana Pacers, which is kind of funny. This has come up is all these guys who are being bought out and waived already have their next place lined up. So how is it not tampering? That's a good question. Yeah, I, right? I, it's it's kind of weird because the whole Ilias Ova thing was, what, three days ahead of him actually yeah. you know, being yeah. bought out by Atlanta. So it was just kind of crazy. I think – uh, Mike Scotto was the one that that reported it first, maybe I think. Uh, I think he had the Booker. Okay, waiver, it was Booker. Yeah, first. it was Booker. I think then you're yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, I think it was might have been Shams who had it. It's still crazy but, though uh, that like all of these are kind of just lining up, and they like. And well, and then Bobby Marks, who's former front office executive, said guys don't do a buyout unless they know they have their next place lined up. To me, is when people say, "Is how is it not tampering? It's 100% tampering, but no one complains about tampering when 100% of the teams right. do it. So it's not a, you know, this is a, why would I tell on you when you'll just turn around and tell on me? Yeah, it's moment. very it's, true. Uh, you know, one of those things. It's and, and these guys aren't, um, this isn't the same as if the 76ers were openly trying to meet with LeBron James today and recruit him and their players right. and that. This is very different. You're talking guys on a bio market that have at, at best a minimal amount of teams interested in them. So, all right, but let's flip it. So Booker's going to the Pacers. Pacers are pretty much stuck with a three big rotation this year of Miles Turner and Thaddeus Young as the starters and Demonis Sabonis as the backup big. They... Uh, Al Jefferson in and out a little bit, but more out than in, especially as of late. There are two young bigs, uh, TJ Leaf and Ike Anikbogu. They're just not ready to to play, especially not minutes for a playoff team. That really leaves them down to Glenn Robinson III, who's back and healthy, so great to see that, for one. 
But that leaves them trying to play him up, potentially. And that's just not a great idea. So I think Booker's really going to help them as a backup. And I think he gives them something a little bit different. This isn't to say that uh, Sabonis and Young aren't, aren't rugged guys who will bang. But that's what Booker really wants to do. You know, he wants to hit guys, put a body on people, and, you know, really get in there and do the dirty work. So I think he's really going to help the Pacers off the bench. What do you think? Well, especially, I agree with everything you said, especially with where Miles Turner has been struggling with injury in and out of the lineup too, yeah. because Sabonis will slide in at center. That slides um, Booker in, you know, to the rotation as, you know, the backup to Young and and Sabonis whenever Turner doesn't play. And then it seems when Turner plays, it's one good game, you know, maybe two good games, then a bad game and another bad yeah. game. So it's just been kind of a wash, um, in my opinion, to uh, for Turner's season this year. So you get another, you know, playoff caliber big that really can produce in, in big minutes if given the chance. And then if the thing with Booker is, is if he doesn't play a ton of minutes, he's okay with, you know, being – just the veteran that plays spot minutes as well. So you're not going to hear a big fuss of, you know, here's a limelight guy that, that has to have a ton of minutes to produce. Yeah, it's that's definitely true because Turner has been in and out all season long. So let's, I want to ask you a question mm-hmm. about that. This isn't transaction related, but, you know, injury is obviously a factor for him, but I thought – he was going to have a better season mm-hmm. this year. He's he's been down a little. Is is actually his minutes per game are down a little bit. He's down around twenty eight. I think that's because of the injuries. He's shooting about you know right around fifty percent overall, about thirty seven percent from three on two and a half attempts per game. But rebounding's down just a touch, about a, a half a rebound. Block shots down a little. Scoring's down a little. Field goal attempts yeah, about the same. I just I I really thought we were going to see him take a big step forward, and I think it's maybe for me a combination of the injuries have rendered him not quite as effective, and also I think the emergence of Victor Oladipo just as the man in Indiana. So, you, any thoughts on Turner's season? Is is it? I guess let me phrase it this way: Has it been a disappointment to you that he hasn't been better? Absolutely, because I had him last year. He averaged fourteen and a half. I had him anywhere, you know, from seventeen to eighteen points. um, You know, eight or nine rebounds, and I I think the injuries are a big factor there. But I think also with Turner, the biggest thing is is he's got to get stronger, and I think with the injury. DeMontis Sabonis was able to really kind of catch fire and uh, make a name for himself. And so that kind of maybe put a little bit of a a mental block, I think, on Turner. Like, okay, what's going on here? Um, You know, maybe I'm I'm not going to get as many minutes as I thought. And then he tries to do a little bit too much too soon, um, you know, when coming back. So there's the instability with, you know, the, the scoring and the rebounding one night with, you know, not having it the next night. And then you factor in, you know, only really playing half of, you know, the season so far. And, you know, that's a big mental hurdle to overcome, you know, for a third-year guy. So we'll see. I think next year, um, you know, with with Turner, it's going to be a big year because really if he struggles again next year, you can plug Sabonis in there as the center for the future, not Miles Turner. Yeah, it is interesting having them both does kind of open that that window a little bit. I I would like I'm hopeful he stays healthy the rest of the season mm-hmm. and we see him, you know, really blossom kind of as the rest of this this year goes along. 
but now we'll move on to another big, uh, and this guy is somebody I think we all thought we no chance we'd see him in the NBA again, Emeka Okafor, back starting for the New Orleans Pelicans. Now he's not playing a ton of minutes, but he's given them good solid minutes when he does play, especially in the defense and on the glass. And he had two 10-day contracts after working his way back in the NBA G League this year. And now he's back with the Pelicans. And when that second 10-day contract ran out, the Pelicans re-signed him. Uh, Rules on 10-day contracts, you can only do two of them with the same team. And then if that same team wants to bring you back, they have to sign you for the rest of the season. And they they re-upped with Okafor for the rest of the season. What was really interesting was it didn't end up being just a one-year rest-of-the-season contract. It's a two-year contract. So so the second year, the details aren't fully out there yet, but it's believed to be partial or non-guaranteed second year, which is pretty par for the course for these types of contracts. But, um, Pete, I could I could ask the obvious question, but I know the answer is yes. If I ask you, are you surprised that Mecca Okafor made it back to the NBA? Right. right. The answer is yes. Obviously, yeah. Um, but let me, let me go go to this side. After he was back, are you surprised he's starting for the Pelicans and that they re-signed him to a two-year deal? Um, a little bit surprised he's starting, but then you look around the roster and you're like, well, who else is it going to be? Because yeah. Anthony Davis does not like to play center full-time, so no. it puts him in at power no. forward. You know, you have the perfect complement uh, to Davis because Davis can do all the scoring. He can get rebounds when he wants to, and then – Okafor is just down there, get some boards, you know, keep your guy off the glass or keep your um, defender off the glass and, you know, do a little bit of dirty work. You know, he's only averaging about 15 minutes a game, but that's all the yep. Pelicans need. Um, yeah, he generally of- plays the first seven to eight minutes of each half. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's kind of hit or miss whether you see him come back in in the half or not. Right. And with, uh, with Okafor, I think, you know, being 35, I don't know really if he's going to be playing next season. But what I would like to see if he doesn't is move him into kind of like a coach role. You know, whether it's, um, you know, for the for the G League or if he stays with the, the Pelicans somehow as like a, a big man coach and, and really works with whoever they're able to bring in. Because the biggest thing is if you're the Pelicans, obviously you want DeMarcus Cousins back healthy. You want to get him to a contract that both sides can agree on um, because you want to make Anthony Davis happy. You want to keep him. Um, So whatever they can do to, you know, work on their big man rotation, you know, going this summer, they need to. But I think right now for where the the Pelicans are, you know, Okafor fits exactly what they need because everything's on Anthony Davis's shoulders regardless. Yeah, so you you hit on a couple good points there. I love you know that you mentioned the fact that Davis doesn't really want to play center. Um, one thing that's really kind of blown me away with this is obviously you'd rather have Demarcus Cousins there and healthy, but Cousins not being there and Okafor being in there instead that's really opened Davis up to to all this great play. And what's awesome is. It's not, it's not just the opportunity, it's the fact that he has stepped up and he is outright dominating. I mean, he had his February is one of the more dominant months we've seen out of a big man, really going all the way back to almost Will Chamberlain um, type numbers. Like the guy was just that good. Nobody had a handle on him, couldn't stop him. You know, and that, that's it, it's cool to see him do that. Now, it makes me a little worried putting so much on his shoulders that he's going to get hurt again. But 
but I think it's it's a good call that you made about Okafor really allows what he lets Davis do is he gets to start at power forward. Then when you're going to the backup bigs, that's when he slides over and becomes the center. And a lot of those backup bigs, he, it's it's interesting to watch him because if if the guy's a non-shooter, then he just kind of floats around and hangs out and plays help defense and uh, those kind of things. It, it, for those minutes, he's generally paired with Nikola Mirotic or um, uh, Czech Diallo. Uh, Czech Diallo's also been a little interesting too with the the added playing time. He's done done some nice things. He still more often than not to me looks like he's completely lost. Especially on the defensive end, but at least he's you know giving him this shot of energy. What I want to get into though with Okafor is I think obviously signing him the rest of this year is great. What I find really interesting is what I think the second year does, and let, let's assume health, right? I'm gonna knock on wood here. I hope you could hear that. Um, so I'm gonna assume health for Mecca Okafor is I think what this does is this allows them to let DeMarcus Cousins kind of come back slowly the next next year because now you've got a guy who's going to have at that point a good half a season or so of experience in your system next to Anthony Davis and just let Okafor be that guy. They're not going to have really the means to, if assuming they re-sign Cousins, to do much else. It's going to be a fairly light summer for them. They're, they're basically capped out. So now you just have Okafor in there. That allows Cousins to come back. What it almost reminds me of is, do you remember back in the late, the, the Celtics, the kind of the new big three run with Pierce, Garnett, and Allen? That year when Kendrick Perkins was injured to start the year and Shaq right. was the starter? Yep. I think that's almost what, that's what Okafor becomes next year, hmm. is he's the starter until Cousins is ready to go and resume his role, and then Okafor can slide back into a backup role. That's actually a good point. I didn't even think of that. That's a, That's actually a solid plan. That's why I'm the front office guy, yeah. man. I gotta, gotta gotta project beyond just this season. There you so, go. No, it's just something that came came to mind. It's just what I'm thinking. I, I think think that might have been part of it uh, for for that re-signing of a mental for. No matter what, though, it's just you know, hey, a little round of applause here, a little clap. Uh, it's so great to see this guy back in the NBA. You know, I love love seeing this when a guy you know he just never gave up on it. Yep, and worked his way back, worked his way back through the G League. That's really cool to see. So what we're gonna do now, folks, we're gonna take a quick break and pay some bills, and then we'll get back. We've got a got a slew of ten day contracts to talk through, and then some other interesting situations around the league as far as transactions, potential transactions, and the injuries going on. So we're gonna take a break right now, and we'll be right back to you. This podcast is brought to you by ADT. When it comes to something as important as your family safety, you need real protection with ADT. What does real protection mean for you? Well, real protection means you can get all of the latest innovation in smart home security from ADT combined with 24-7 monitoring from the most trusted name in home security. You'll get a team of professionals designing and installing a secure smart home just for you, including 18,000 employees safeguarding you and your family, along with a connection to first responders. Your secure smart home includes everything from video doorbells and indoor and outdoor cameras to smart locks and lights controlled from the ADT Go app or the sound of your voice. You can also get professionally monitored carbon monoxide and smoke detectors. Everything is custom designed to fit your home, all from the nation's number one smart home security provider. You can even get safety on the go in the car or when the kids are at school with the ADT Go app with an SOS button. Ready to learn more? Visit ADT.com backslash podcast to learn more about how ADT can design and install a secure smart home just for you. 
And we are back. You are listening to the NBA Front Office Show. We're part of the Almighty Baller Podcast Network. I am your host, Keith Smith. I'm joined tonight by Pete Toll. Our producer, Connorell, is off tonight, but he will be back with us for our next show. What we're going to do now, Pete, we're going to get into all these 10-day contracts that have been going on. We'll do this kind of rapid fire because some of these guys, I don't I don't have a lot of thoughts on them. Uh, and if you don't, that's fine. We'll skip right by them. But let's start out with... One of the big points that's going on with these 10-day contracts, I've had this question asked to me a couple times, is why are teams signing the guys to 10 days and then they're not even using them? They're, they're not even active for games. Part of that is because you have a minimum amount of players you have to carry on your roster. And when you go past so many days, you have to sign somebody. So that's what's happening with some of these guys. It's teams doing doing almost a favor to the player or a favor to an agent to get this guy in. So that's why let, let's start out with one that really that's what it seems to be is Brandon Rush is with the Portland Trailblazers. Has not even been active for a game yet on this 10-day. But he's a veteran, good guy to have around the locker room. And this might be one of those where, hey, let's do a little bit of a favor, get this guy another uh, 10 days worth of NBA pay, and then we'll go from there. So not, nothing really to be said on Brandon Rush. You know, good good guy by all, all reports, but you know, he's not doing anything. He hasn't been active. One guy who has been active and played a little bit is Rashad Vaughn. He's on a 10-day with the Orlando Magic. He was uh, caught up in a series of transactions this year. He's traded from the Brooklyn or from the Milwaukee Bucks to the Brooklyn Nets in the Tyler Zeller trade that saw him go to the Bucks. Then the Nets turned around and traded him within a week or so later to the Pelicans for Dante Cunningham. The Pelicans then waived Vaughn. Vaughn caught back on with the Magic on this 10-day contract with the guy who drafted him, John Hammond, who is the Magic's GM, brought him in. He's played a little bit in a couple of games, um, got off the bench earlier than I think anyone expected in one of them. Vaughn's ticket in the league was he's supposed to be a shooter, and it, that's about all he really does. Even that um, is kind of like, eh. And that's sketchy, right? Yeah. yeah. So I, I don't know. I it's I it's it's funny. I was thinking about this when I was watching the Celtics play the Grizzlies. I was sold that Ben McLemore was going to be a player just because I thought he would shoot at an NBA level. And he when when that's your skill and you can't do it, you're basically sunk. And that's what I think the situation is with Vaughn. I don't think he offers anything else. So if he can't shoot. He has no role. Am I am I wrong on that? No, I mean you're absolutely right. Thirty one percent for his career so far from three, and you're supposed to be a shooter. Thirty three percent from the floor in general, not good. Yeah, no, definitely not not good at all. So, um, all right, so we'll move on. Next guy on the list, Walt Lemon Jr. He's on a ten day contract with the New Orleans Pelicans. Now Lemon's a kind of a guy who he's been kind of. Played played a little bit here and there for the Pelicans. He is, um, you know, someone who is. It's with the way the Pelicans do it is some nights they need guys, some nights they don't, and some nights they just don't go to people. So it's kind of kind of interesting. If you don't know much about Lemon, and I wouldn't be surprised, he's a six foot three, kind of a one slash two. He's out of Bradley. He's already 25 years old. He had been playing in the G League uh, primarily this year for the Fort Wayne Mad Ants. And in Fort Wayne, he was averaging almost 23 points per game and almost six assists per game with almost five rebounds per game. So, you know, pretty impressive, a little over two steals. So that's what earned him this opportunity. I don't know if you've seen much of him or not, Peter, or if you have any kind of thoughts on his game. Um, not not exactly. I was kind of surprised he got brought up. I think he got his name 
uh, got dropped like two years ago that he was a possible fringe NBA player, but I didn't hear anything else um, kind of beyond that. And to be honest, I haven't followed him since. Yeah, he went he went um, overseas. He played in uh, Hungary, then in Germany, then in Turkey and in Greece. Uh, did some good things over in those leagues. He was a double figure scorer in all those locations, which in the in, in the overseas league for an American, that's that's a pretty good accomplishment. A lot of times that that's not that you don't see that all that often. He it's kind of his his challenge is that his size he needs to be a really good knockdown shooter from three, especially and he's just not that. He he just doesn't shoot it well enough from three. I don't think I would be kind of surprised if he still maybe he gets a second ten day. A team teams tend to do that quite a bit, but I'd be a little surprised if he sticks beyond that. Uh, moving continuing on down our list is the Phoenix Suns. They brought in Shaq Harrison for a 10-day. They actually terminated a second 10-day with Josh Gray um, in order to bring Harrison in. I don't know much about Harrison. I do know he was with the Northern Arizona Suns, uh, which is that's the, the Suns G League team, if you couldn't figure that one out. Um, I do know he's about 6'4". Again, he's a 1-2, probably more of a 2 than a 1. Um, at this point in his career, I don't. You got any thoughts on Harrison? Well, what I remember with Harrison is he was in training camp with the Suns before. I think it was two seasons ago, and um, you know, kind of up and down in the preseason, really didn't show much. It looked like he needed to add strength, and then he is kind of a more or less a, a two guard that really or more or less a point guard that plays two guard that should really be a point guard. So I don't know how much, you know, he's able to help uh, Phoenix overall. I think this is one of those things, you know, where he probably won't get a second day and it'll expire and then they'll rotate somebody else in there. Um, you know, kind of getting a look at different guys, you know, honestly. Yeah. And then and I think you're right. I think that's what we're going to see out of the Suns the rest of the way. I think that'll almost be a revolving door. Unless they really catch lightning in a bottle with somebody in our, oh man, this is a guy we got to keep him. I think that's what they did with Gray. They had already seen him and let him go. I like Josh Gray from Summer League. He you know, did a nice job in limited appearances with the Magic Summer League team this past year. One interesting thing on Harrison is in the G League this year, he only started seven games. So that gives you kind of an idea of how deep teams will go. To, to find these guys. The next guy I want to go to, Troy Williams. Now, this is a guy I know we both know a little bit about. Uh, he was with the Houston Rockets for the last couple of seasons. He got waived when the Rockets needed to create room for Joe Johnson. And if you remember back, there were some interesting thoughts because it came out they were going to waive him. Then it came back out as they were having second thoughts. The reason the Rockets had those second thoughts is Troy Williams is a player, and they didn't want to let him go um, so easily. We've seen him make some plays for the Knicks uh, in his his stint so far, so question I want to ask you, Pete, is do you think Troy Williams has a chance to stick with the Knicks after this ten day? I think he should actually, because I mean, really, your options are Lance Thomas. Um, if you really want to play Damian Dotson up at you know up at small forward, I guess you could, but I think that that Williams gives you good athleticism. You know, can shoot the three ball um, if needed and. Um, just on the defensive end, you know, he gives hustle. And that's kind of what the Knicks need, some kind of athletic resurgence, a little bit of spark um, coming off the bench. You know, yes, he's only played in three games and, you know, only at about 11 minutes. But, I mean, right now, as a, if I was a Knicks fan, 
Um, you know, I would want to see kind of what he can do over what we've already seen with a guy like Lance Thomas, especially, you know, with Porzingis out and now they're going to be out of the playoff hunt. Yeah, 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 definitely. I, you know, th- that's that's where I'm at is I think Troy Williams who may, maybe goes a second 10-day route then gets signed for the rest of the year. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets one of those two-year deals where it's the rest of this season plus some some uh, small partial guarantee for the second year so that the Knicks can bring him back in with them because otherwise if they cut him loose in the summer, someone will pick him up at, at a minimum just to you know get him on their training camp roster. The other guy, not well, not other guy because there's still a few to go. Next guy is Trey McKinney-Jones. He is with the Indiana Pacers. This is a guy who's been with the Fort Wayne Mad Ants, the Pacers G League affiliate for the last, uh, for four of the last five seasons. He was there for 2014, 15, 17, and 18. Again, another guy hasn't been starting a lot. This one reminds me more of a thanks for being a good soldier for us in the organization. And, you know, doing everything we ask, we're going to reward you and bring you up. Challenge is he's definitely not going to stick around because they need that roster spot for Trevor Booker. Exactly. So this is his his one shot. He's an interesting guy, six foot five, really uh, kind of made his reputation as a wing defender. Uh, he just doesn't shoot it well enough. Shooting 38% from three this year, but only only two, two attempts per game. So he's got to get that up. Uh, not a great rebounder, decent passer, uh, but really it's his defense. If he's going to ever see a shot in the NBA to play uh, regularly and, and stick with the team, it's going to have to be that he makes it as a defender. But he's also he's starting to get up there a little bit in age. He is 27 now. Yeah, 27. So that's a getting a little late. So this more more makes me think this is more of a hey thanks for everything the local guy yeah uh, for us yeah 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 we're gonna we're gonna help you out so all right then the atlanta hawks they've done a pair of 10 days recently antonius cleveland was brought in and then the second one is uh jay jalen morris i believe it is um and those two guys so cleveland he he's kind of a guy teams liked he's been doing some stuff um, for a couple of different teams. He earlier this season was with the Dallas Mavericks for a little while. And I know a lot of people were uh, surprised when the Mavericks let him go. He's six foot six. He's a uh, more of a two than a three, but 24 years old um, with the Mavericks. It didn't do too much played in 13 games with only six minutes per game, uh, only 10 total points with the Mavericks, but with the, the G League, he went to camp with the Warriors too. Should should put that out there. Um, and, but then in the G League, he has played for both um, the Texas Legends when he was with the the um, Dallas Mavericks. The Mavericks, and then with the Santa Cruz Warriors. Um, you know, had done done some stuff as far as scoring down there, about fourteen points per game or so in the G League this year. I know he's a guy. Team he teams had him as a fringe draft prospect, so. I, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he sticks around, but again, the Hawks are probably in that mode of cycling through guys well, on two weeks. That and Cleveland also has that ankle injury, so he's not even going to play yeah. Yeah. Um, Friday against the Warriors. So I don't really know how much of an impact he's going to be able to make as far as the Hawks. And, and I think with where the Hawks are trending, I think they'll kind of slide guys in and out of those spots as well. Yeah, absolutely. There, there's no reason for them not to. At this point. And then Jalen Morris, cool story for him. He's a Division II player. Um, so he was a Division II guy, six foot five guy again. He's a wing. The Hawks just signed him the other day, and I believe it was last night. He came in and played almost 12 minutes. Yeah. 
um, in his first game in the NBA, which kind of probably says more about where the Hawks are headed. Uh, <laughs> it does about Jalen Morris. No, no disrespect meant to his way. Uh, you know, hit a, hit a shot and grabbed a couple couple rebounds. So you know, did did a couple things while he was out there. But you know, it, it's it's always cool when you see one of these guys. You know, work his way up from Division Two. Especially, he's been playing for the Erie BayHawks, who are the Hawks. G League affiliate until their their own G League team takes over next season, and with the the Bayhawks, he had started all thirty nine games he played, twelve point six points per game, four rebounds, or almost sorry five rebounds, and about two and a half assists per game, fifty one percent from the floor. So that's kind of interesting. That doesn't really shoot it from three at all, though. Only twenty nine, just under twenty nine percent from three. So that that's definitely disappointing but again i just i don't know i like when i see one of these division two guys get get a shot in the nba it kind of kind of makes you you think that you know if you dream big enough and work hard enough it'll work out and that's the thing like with the with the g league that's what they want they want like that fringe guy to be able to get you know kind of a a chance in the nba and this is perfect it it kind of sheds light on on all the other guys that are like man i'm just going to go overseas this isn't working out here and and it kind of gives them a glimmer of hope like Okay, hey, a guy like Jalen Morris who may not be a superstar, he still made a a team and is getting a shot. So maybe if I keep working hard, to, you know, take a little bit lesser pay and and you know get a chance here in the G League, it just it gives it a little bit more spotlight. And you know what it does sometimes too? It sometimes kind of gives that extra juice to a young guy who's there of um, that maybe is a little more established. And I'm not saying this is the case. I'm going to use this as an example because it's not. Because I know John Collins works very hard, and the Hawks love him. But say you had a guy like John Collins who wasn't, you know, maybe making the most of his, you know, abilities. What you end up seeing there then is you end up seeing the team kind of bring this other guy in, and it can kind of almost jumpstart that guy in a way, um, which is pretty cool. So, all right, next one, Marcus Thornton, not that Marcus Thornton, yeah. not the one everybody everybody knows. Um, as far as the kind of wild gunner, had a couple big years with the Kings and the Pelicans back in the day. Or I guess they were probably still the Hornets then. Yeah, they were. Um, but not not that one. Um, this is another one. This is the one out of William & Mary's former second-round draft pick by the Boston Celtics. Never signed him. He played overseas for a couple of seasons, and they renounced his rights this year, and he became a free agent. And he's been playing for the Cavaliers uh, G League affiliate in um, Canton, the Canton charge, and he was brought up and immediately sent right back to the G League. So we're not going to spend a lot of time on him. But this is more, again, another example of that. you got to have so many guys under contract. So this is a, hey, thanks for all your hard work in the G League. We're going to get you a couple, uh, t- we'll get you 10 days worth of NBA pay, but you're going to go right back down to the G League and hang out down there. Yeah, he's so. not going to do much anyway. No, exactly. No, the Dallas Mavericks brought back Scotty Hobson. If if Scotty Hobson's name rings a bell, and I'm going to pull it up here while we're talking, he may because he was traded about a hundred times oh, yeah. one off season. Uh, let's four see. times this was, before the Kings. Yeah, yeah. In Look 2013, at you, man. 2014. You're on it. You yeah. must have his uh, profile pulled up. Yeah, so. I actually, I I actually prepared <laughs> this week and, and did research uh, on the ten guys. So yeah, I did my part um, of being being a part of the show. So. <laughs> I appreciate it, yeah. Pete. So, yeah, so let's go through it just because it's kind of fun, and this is what we do on this show, right? 2014, he was traded from the Cavaliers. That's kind of funny. Um, to the Charlotte Hornets um, in the Brendan Haywood trade. If you remember, Brendan Haywood went there, and then the Cavs waived him. Um, and the rights to Dwight Powell, which is kind of interesting, also was traded in that trade. Then 
A day later, he was traded from the Hornets to the Pelicans. And then a day later, he was, or two days later, he was traded from the Pelicans to the Houston Rockets uh, as part of the Trevor Ariza trade. And saw Trevor Ariza and a first-round pick from the Pelicans go to the Rockets for Omer Ashik and Aubrey Caspi. Um, that they, they went to the Pelicans. So that's, that's gosh, I forgot they gave up a first-round pick to get Omer Ashik. That was, yeah, that was crazy. That was. Uh, and then uh, a couple months after that, he was traded to the Sacramento Kings um, by the Rockets to get Jason Terry. Um, from the Kings, and then the Kings waived him. And then uh, since that point, he's been out of the NBA. He has been bouncing around overseas. And he's done some G League time with the Sioux Falls Sky, For- Sioux Falls Sky Force. That's a mouthful. Um, and then, like I said, overseas. He was overseas earlier this year with, um, I'm going to try to say this, but I believe it's Galatasaray um, over in Turkey. Um, he's, he's a guy teams have kind of had an eye on him. Like I hear his name mentioned quite a bit. He's about six foot seven, pretty athletic. He came out of Tennessee, uh, as a junior, he was an early entry candidate and went undrafted, uh, that season. So he's now, now back with the Mavericks. We'll see if he gets a chance to play. Has not played in a game yet with Dallas. Any thoughts on Scotty Popson? Um, he's kind of your Jack of all trades guy that can score a little bit, defend a little bit. Um, the thing with him is, is is he going to do enough if he does get playing time with the Mavericks to actually stick in the NBA? Um, you know, that's the, that's going to be the thing. I actually, I'm rooting for him uh, to do well because he was a guy that kind of was in and out many training camps um, since uh, 2011. So it'll be kind of cool to see him maybe, um, you know, get a little bit of playing time in, in this 10-day contract, maybe get another one and then stick. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that could be, you know, and again, no, I, I think there's a chance we might see Dallas start the cycle process uh, with that last spot. They signed Kyle Collinsworth, who had already done a couple two ways with them. They, they, they re-signed him for the rest of this year and gave him some money for next year as well, I believe, if I remember correctly. Uh, so he'll be, be around for a little bit. So I, that, that second spot there kind of on the roster, Collinsworth actually got a three-year contract at the the second and third years expected expected to have some kind of small guarantee on them as as is the case generally with those deals. So let's move on. We got three more ten days to go. Nas Mitru Long or Nas Long with the Utah Jazz. This is his second ten day with the Jazz. Jazz had one kind of went into the all-star break and then it was done. And then the Jazz, it looked like they were probably gonna move on and go in another direction, but then Raul Neto got hurt, which left them a little short point guard, so they brought back uh, uh, Nas Long here. Long was a guy who he was kind of climbing the draft ranks a bit in college. He played a little more off the ball in that kind of everybody shares it, Iowa State system. Then he got hurt in what was to be his senior year, early in that senior senior year season. And then he redshirted and then came back and played as a fifth year, started all 35 games he played in, scored 15 points per game, and really was coming into his own as a shooter at, the, at that point, excuse me, um, at that point in the season. So he's a guy, teams like him, um, I don't know how far he'll – go in the NBA. He's done a nice job, though, as a scorer and playmaker down in the G League. 17.2 points per game, 6 rebounds a game, and 
uh, six assists per night, along with a little over one steal, shooting only 41% from the field overall, but 36% from three-point range on a whopping 8.8 three-point attempts per game down in the G League. So but what have you seen out of Nas Long? Do you, do you think he's got a chance to, to stick here? One, one last thing, he's about six foot four. Um, so he's got pretty good size for the position. I mean, the thing about it is he can shoot it, and he gives you enough size, like you just said, you know, on the defensive side of the ball. It's just where is he going to get playing time for the Jazz? That's the thing. Like, the consistent playing yeah. time isn't really going to be there. I don't know that they're actually going to sign him, you know, for an, for the rest of the season personally. But, I mean, you know, the, the main yeah unless unless Exum can't make it back that's, I don't that's think what that's I was going to get case. to that and unless they really want to kind of go away from Alec Burks but I just don't I don't see that happening yeah I don't either I think again this becomes a spot where they'll probably leave it open and then fill whatever injury may crop up mm-hmm. they'll fill it with a guy there I just think they you know you've got Rubio already Mitchell can swing over and play the point Joe Ingles does a fair amount of ball handling for them from the wing. And then Axum sounds like he's working his way closer to being back. They've, they've also got Neto when he's healthy. Um, and it doesn't sound like his injury is anything that should be long-term or season-ending. So, yeah, I, I, I think this is probably going to be this this 10-day runs its course and then, then he'll back to the G League or for Naslong. All right, two more. These guys are both veterans. Ramon Sessions to the Washington Wizards. This was strictly a... Uh, we got to cover ourselves at point guard because they were they were going through a period. John Wall obviously is still out. He'll be out for most of the rest of the regular season, I guess is the best way to put that, probably returning in late March, uh, early April. Then Tim Frazier had also gotten hurt, so that really left him with Tomas Sadoransky and nobody else that can play the point. So they brought in Sessions, but Sessions, I believe, has not even played yeah, um, in a game. And that's actually probably better. Better for the Wizards. No offense to Ramon Sessions, but you don't. <laughs> do, you remember, do you remember when Ramon said? I want to say it was when he was with maybe the Lakers. Like he had like a bit, or maybe it was the Kings, but he had like a really like good like series of games. Where it was the Lakers really, really where well. everybody was, was like, "Oh, he needs the he's the star. Yeah, he's like he's the play, future." Yeah. And it's like, yeah. no, no. Yeah, like, and then we all get it's to see temper him. down the expectations. Yeah. Anybody can have okay. a good game where they can shoot, you know, four <laughs> for five from three. Like, yeah, that's the one that where what he was like averaging like twenty points. Yeah, it was crazy. Assists and rebounds, and yeah, so good, good, good on him. And you know, I mean, hey, and for him, he continues to hang around. It seems like every year somebody signs him, right? And you know, and he gets at least a portion of a season under contract. And then the other guy, Jarrell Eddy, he was signed to attend day with the Chicago Bulls. They're going to bring him in as the Bulls are. Uh, they have more than ramped up their tank mm-hmm. uh, down the stretch here. They're sitting guys left and right. Gerald Eddy, he did a 10-day earlier this year with the Boston Celtics. He's also been kind of on the fringes of the NBA in and out of uh, teams for several years now. He's really a guy who – he's a shooter, and that's that's really all he does is shoot the ball from the wing. Um, and if he doesn't do that, he – doesn't do do much else so so that takes it oh go well, ahead. i was gonna say real quick with the bulls um i know fred hoiberg said uh there's gonna be one more game and then he's gonna make a five game change to the rotation so with eddie this is the perfect opportunity for him actually to step into an nba role maybe and get some rotation minutes and hopefully he can knock down shots because what i've seen from eddie in the past is he shoots it great in the g league he shoots it great overseas and when he gets in the nba it's kind of up and down. So I want to see him get consistency 
and maybe stick on a team for for an entire season. But it's a great opportunity, uh, possibly for him. Yeah, no, it's a little weird, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you, like we see it, and like we just don't see him, uh, you know, knocking shots down at the you know the rate we see it elsewhere, as you mentioned. So it is, it is a little weird. So we'll you know have to kind of keep our eyes on that one. All right, now um, this is that takes us through all of our official transactions. Now let's get into some other interesting news that's going around the the NBA to close out this show. Derek Rose, it broke today. The only Teams have had interest, but teams only want to bring him in on a 10-day contract. He's not interested in that. He wants the rest of the season deal. I don't think he's going to get it. No. I think it's the point where, yeah, he's going to – Now, he's a guy who could come in, do do a pair of 10 days, and then easily you could see him get signed for the rest of the year if he does well on those 10 days. I just think this might have to be one where he's going to have to swallow that pride and do that if he wants to play again this season. Or he's going to have to say, all right, I'm just going to – quit it then for the rest of this year and then I'll go after it next season. Uh, the thing for me there well there's there's two things for for Rose. One is the basically physically can his body hold up because he's only played in 66 games um and 64 games the past two seasons. And so, you know, basically his body breaks down or his mental state depending on, you know, which day of the week it is. And I know he has his son, and, and that's his, his life and stuff, and he wants to be close to his family. He took a little break and got married. Like, all that stuff's great. But when you're supposed to be a reliable, you know, NBA point guard and you're being counted on by a team, you, you can't have, you know, tons of injuries, not really caring about, you know, necessarily your body um, to really, really work into top shape in the offseason, and then your mental state's not there either. The second thing is is you don't change your game at all. You haven't developed a three-point shot. You haven't developed the ability to, you know, pass to your teammates and play at least average NBA defense. You haven't worked on any of those. You still think, you know, if you're Derrick Rose, you're still thinking, okay, I'm the man in, you know, that I was in Chicago. You know, I can get that burst of athleticism, get by a guy and finish at the rim. And he does do that well from time to time. But his body's breaking down, his game's not the same, and his unwillingness to show a change in his game is what NBA teams are looking at. Why would they add a Derrick Rose to possibly disrupt chemistry issue um, chemistry um, for the team and cause issues when they can get maybe a younger guy out of the G League to fill that same spot? That's just my opinion. Yeah, no, and, and I think you're on it. And one thing, too, is he's 29 now. Right. You know, he's, not, he's no longer, you know, 20, you know 22, 23-year-old prospect. He's just not that guy anymore. So, so that's interesting. Um, hey, one more. Uh, this just broke news just now. So, kind of the the uh, the um, the deadline here, as we mentioned, today's the day. If you don't get bought out today, uh, Shabazz Muhammad of the Minnesota Timberwolves has agreed to a contract buyout. Wow. Um, he really wanted to be traded at the deadline, and uh, the Timberwolves are letting him go. Now that the Wolves have an additional open spot, now I won't be surprised if Derrick Rose shows up. Yeah, that just killed that whole argument of (laughs) Yep, that's it, man. (laughs) Maybe not. Maybe he will show up. We'll see, though. I I mean, because they could have done it by now if they wanted to do it. But now they've got another spot, so so something to monitor there. I'm curious to see where Muhammad catches on. He's not a guy I think that's necessarily going to go to a playoff team, but he might drop in on one of these teams that – you know, could use a little scoring punch or something and wants to take a look at a more of a, all right, we'll take a look at you now and then maybe for next season. 
or something like that. Uh, you know, maybe uh, I'm just, you know, kind of throwing stuff against the wall here, but, you know, maybe a team like uh, Memphis Grizzlies or um, the, gosh, who was I thinking about? The Dallas Mavericks, they could look at. You know, those are the kind of teams you could see him showing up at. Yeah. Um, uh, if you're Muhammad. Let's see. Uh, maybe a team... I don't know. I mean, I know Charlotte's strapped as far as there, but they could use Def at, at the you know wing spot as a backup. I know they have Trivian Graham, but um, I yeah. mean that's not that that's not much. Um, you know what? I actually kind of wouldn't. Uh, maybe Toronto. Toronto has an open. Yeah, um, Toronto's got spot. open. They've got a lot of guys. They've got Miles and, and um, you know, Miles, Delon Wright. They've got. Norman Powell already can't play, but he could be an interesting depth guy there. I don't know. We'll just have to see ultimately where he lands. But we'll, you know, that picture will start to come into focus a little more here in the next couple of days. Atlanta could be another place. Yeah, too. Atlanta, he'd get a good bit of playing time. Yeah, well, and those guys, I mean, if anybody's going to turn him into a, you know, uh, full fledged NBA wing, it'll be the Hawks. <laughs> that's, that's what they do. Right. So. Um, all right, moving on. Tyrone Wallace. So this one is weird. Um, Let's get into this whole thing because it's going to take a few minutes on this one. Wallace has been starting for the Clippers. He started 12 games for him. Clippers are 8-4 and four in the games he starts. They are actually 500 on the season in the games he doesn't. He is on a two-way contract, but he is now, as of Tuesday, in the game against the Denver Nuggets, he's used all of his NBA games. So he was inactive for their most recent game, which was a loss. And it was a little weird that he was inactive a night after starting. But once you looked into it and saw, oh, now it makes sense. So completely out of NBA days there. So that means that the Clippers have a couple options. Either they convert him, which he has no say in. I actually just learned this today. They can convert him and he doesn't get to say yes or no. So they would just convert him to a standard remainder of the season NBA contract. And then he would be a restricted free agent at the end of it. Or they can agree to sign him to a to a standard NBA contract or a two-year deal or something along those lines. So that's where that would go with, um, with uh, Tyrone Wallace. And then the other thing that we could see happen with him is he could ultimately be um, let go. They could just let him go. Let him go sign with somebody else. Or... Uh, the last thing is he just stays in the G League the rest of the season. So that'll be curious to watch how this plays out. I It was funny. I was speculating with some people. Uh, it makes no sense to me. Why are they not converting this guy? They got to get this guy converted, blah, 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 blah. Why are they not doing this? What is taking so long? And it was pointed out to me that it takes two to tango in those situations to never forget that that it's a two, two-sided uh, negotiation with that. Um, I and, and you don't want to just get into that process of just converting guys just because, because you, you want them. Uh, that can create bad feelings that are unnecessary. But, you know, I, it's one of those things where I really feel like it's this guy's proven he's an NBA player, and we'll go, he's already going to be a restricted free agent at the end of the season no matter what, unless the Clippers waive him now. Because he has, you only have to be on the NBA roster for 15 days in the prior season, and he's already had well surpassed that um, now at this point. So, so something to monitor with Tyrone Wallace. I know you've seen him play a little, Pete. What do you think about him as an NBA player? I mean, I think he's definitely worthy of an NBA spot. I don't, 
I just don't get it. I don't get him or C.J. Williams not really kind of getting a shot. But, I mean, I could kind of maybe see where the Clippers are. They want to, you know, exhaust all options. But if I'm Tyrone Wallace, I'm like, okay, why? Like, I've done everything I can, you know, for this team. And, you know, I know they, you know, have the whole restrictions of the, you know, travel restrictions as far as the two-way contract and everything like that. But I would just kind of have a little bit of ill feeling um, but then a mixed feeling of like, okay, I could make an NBA team here um, long term, but do I really want to stay with the Clippers who don't necessarily seem like they have the biggest faith in me? Otherwise, yeah. they would have already made the leap. So I'd kind of be mixed if I was Tyron Wallace. So maybe that's the case. Yeah, and it might be. you know. And I'll tell you what's sad about this. This is kind of the, the um, cautionary tale of a two-way contract. This is where two-way contract got wrong. If you will, this guy's done nothing but prove he's an NBA player. And yet, as it stands right now at this moment, he's not an NBA player because he can no longer play in the NBA. Now, he can come back to the Clippers when his G League season ends. Right now, he's on he's with their, their G League affiliate, the Agua Caliente Clippers. They are last in their division. And they're not going to be a playoff team, so their season will likely end on March 24th. Starting on the 25th, he's then re-eligible to join the Clippers and play for the rest of the season. The, the, the counter, in effect, ends when the uh, season, when the G League is out of season. It's only while the G League's in season. So it's just, it's just a messy situation right now. The Clippers, quite honestly, so that's really, what, three weeks away? They can't afford to, to not have guys right now and it's cj williams is back now he's been out for several games after an ankle injury i believe it was and so now he's back but he was playing you know fairly well but wallace was playing much better than him so it's just something to monitor it's i have a feeling this one's probably not going to go that route where he just sits in the g league i think we might see something pop another way but we'll have to watch that one as we go Moving on down the list, there was another another kind of weird situation. There was a report from a Milwaukee Bucks beat writer, I believe he is, um, reported that Mirza Toledovic's career was over. And then Mirza Toledovic himself took to Twitter for the first time in several years to basically say, it's not over till I say it's over. Recovery's going great. If you don't know what's going on, Toledovic has some blood clots going on. It's uh, not exactly the same as the Chris Bosch situation, but you know, a little bit different. Um, so there, I know there are some people hoping medical retirement, maybe, but there is no chance, even if he goes a medical retirement route, that the Bucks can get that salary removed for the off season because he last played on November seventh. And how that works is it's one year from the last game played, unless the player played uh, fewer than ten games in the prior season. Uh, then it's sixty days from the last ten games played. Last game played. You know how many games Toledovic played this year, Pete? Uh, not exactly, no. <laughs> Ten. Wow. So just the amount to not allow the Bucks to wipe it away now. Mm. Um, so unfortunately, they'd have to wait for a year. So it was, it was uh, November 7th of this year. So November 7th of next year is the first time they could, could get that uh, $10.5 million wiped off their books. But that's only if Toledovic is is in agreements and saying, I'm going to retire and do all this. That's what happened with Nikola Pekovic uh, this this past year with the Minnesota Timberwolves. And Toledovic is not there. He's not doing that. So so that one is uh, going to be probably a little messy 
unfortunately, you know, I'm rooting for him. I hope he makes it back and is able to play. Um, but, you know, I, I know some Milwaukee fans would probably rather have the money. But if you can't have it anyway for the, the offseason and then they're not likely to be a cap team with uh, some of the deals they've already got signed and a new deal coming for Jabari Parker, it'll be interesting. So let, let's pivot on that real quick. Just give me a couple minutes. Have you seen Parker since he's been back? Yeah, he, what do you think? I think he looks explosive for having two ACL too. injuries. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know necessarily. I, I'm still kind of back and forth on, you know, okay, do you give him the max? Do you not? But then it's like, if you're Milwaukee and you know you're not a free agent destination and he's looking the part of – if you give him an entire summer of workouts and, and really, really, really getting in shape, and we haven't even gotten to the playoffs yet, yeah. um, that's a big risk to let Jabari Parker go. And then what if he flourishes somewhere else and you're like, well, we had him. Now who are we going to get here to, to team up with Giannis? I personally would throw him throw in the max and, and hope for the best. If it doesn't work out, you know, it doesn't work out. But – to be Milwaukee and you're not a go-to destination, what are you really going to do? Yeah, I don't think it's going to take the max. You don't? Um, mm. quite. No, I just, I think with the injury history, it's just not there mm-hmm. for him. I, I don't think that's what it's going to be. And I do, one of the things that I find kind of interesting with his situation is, I don't know that's where they need to go. Mm-hmm. Um, with that plus, what who's going to give him a max offer anyway this summer and force them to match it? You know, maybe Atlanta, I guess, if they were really saying, all right, this is a guy we want to attach our, you know, our horse to and go. Um, Philly's not going to do that. Sacramento, probably not. I'd actually kind of like him with their, their young core. It's a lot of it at the four. There, they just, that worry they're never going to be good enough defensively. The Indiana Pacers, now that would be fun. Um, that'd be a you know fun one to see him there. Um, but those are the only teams I really project to have enough money to make the the Bucks sweat. So I, I I do think they'll re-sign him. I think they're going to come to something reasonable, something less than max, but something maybe in the seventeen million dollar a year range. I hope um, seems seems a little fair with that one. So all right, but now now we're getting off off mm. uh, topic. Um, but you know me, I love Jabari Parker. Oh, yeah. take, take every opportunity. He's my guy. Um, all right, a couple of injuries to talk about. Jimmy Butler, we have not recorded since this happened. So this sucks. Um, absolutely awful. Um, but yeah, I guess it's if it's going to happen, it's as good a news as can be. Um, sounds like he's going to be out about a month. Sometime in late March is when he'll return. I really, really hope he's not rushing back. Um, from that injury, so hopefully he'll be he'll be fine and ready to go um, with that. And the Timberwolves hang on and hang in the playoff race. You know, so far so good, but that West it's awfully crowded. So, you know, any slippage and they could be in trouble. Yeah, I mean, looking at it, I mean, I know obviously they're they're in third place or a game up right now on San Antonio, but you're looking at Wiggins right now, kind of having to elevate his game. And yes, he puts up you know the twenty ish points a game, but they're to me, it's like an empty 20, if that makes sense. Like, it's not really yeah, – doesn't really yeah. fill in anything but the scoring. And the scoring is even kind of, like, iffy in some spots. So. He's one of those guys – I used to say this about Tobias Harris all the time when he's with the Magic. All of a sudden, you look up and he has 20, and you're like, I don't I don't remember any of them. Right, there you like, go. It's like the lowest impact 20 points you could possibly have. Right. You know, it's not like he gets on fire from three. It's not like he plays with a ton of force and – 
you know, gets inside and makes a bunch of plays that way. He's just kind of kind of out there doing his thing, which is there's something to be said for that. Mm-hmm. You know, Ray, Ray Allen was kind of that guy at points in his career, mm-hmm. where but but then Ray Allen had the three point game to go along with his you know driving ability when he was a younger player. I I don't know. They're starting on Nemanja Bjelica right. right now um, at the three. That's that's a little dicey yeah. He's not a three. Me. No, that you know, but they're they're making it work. Essentially, I noticed what they do is they just put Wiggins on the best wing, and they'll be elite to cover whoever. So with somebody else, somebody they were playing the other night was actually playing two point guards and a traditional wing. And the traditional wing, gosh, I wish I could remember which game it was, but but Wiggins was coming in that guy, and the Bealitz is out there covering a point guard. Now as a point guard who can't really shoot, so he's about a mile off the guy. You know, but it's uh, interesting. And what that does is that kind of wrecks already a shallow bench rotation because now it's just Gorgie Jang playing all the backup big minutes. Crawford is playing playing a little bit more. And then Tyus Jones is now fully back um, in the rotation behind Jeff Teague. So it's just kind of a mess. I You know, it's Tibbs, so it's not going to happen. This just falls on deaf ears. But just play Marcus George's hunt. Give the guy some minutes. Um, or, you know, for the love of God, pull Anthony Brown up from the – from the G League on your two way, give him some something that allow. Because the thing my fear is Butler's going to come back, and then Wiggins is just going to be dead. Right. Or that's Bielitsa, who's had that's what I was thinking. Well, yeah. I, I was thinking more like Crawford because yes, he's yeah. an ageless wonder, so to speak. But at, but at point, the same time, it's like all right, you're this guy's getting up there, like you know he's going to wear down pretty quick. And if they want to make a run, like say the playoffs ended today. And they're the third seed. They'd play Portland. Portland can give them, you know, a good run as far as oh, they may okay. not beat them, but Portland, yeah. it'd be tough. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, moving on the injury train, uh, Josh Hart, he is out for the, um, the Los Angeles Lakers. This is kind of a bummer too, because he's been starting, uh, for the Lakers as of recently. And he is, uh, you know, he's just now, he's not, not going to play, uh, maybe for the rest of the season um, for them. He's been kind of the guy he's been, been the placeholder for Lonzo Ball uh, in the rotation as it, or really in the starting lineup. I don't know that they'll rush Ball back. They have no reason to do that, but that just means probably more minutes of Isaiah Thomas, who still just, he does not look healthy. Well, um, and he probably should be playing. As I say, as of earlier this afternoon, they are going to start Ball against Miami uh, okay, tonight. Good. Um, okay, good. Which will which will be interesting because Brandon Ingram's been kind of playing more of that point guard role, yeah, and has yep. looked great playing that role. And they've won three on straight. offense, yeah, on, on offense. offense, yes, on offense. Yeah, Thank you for clarifying. Yeah, on yeah, offense. That's a, right. That's my challenge. Is so some you know I said I said on Twitter and Lakers fans who they they don't like me anyway. They came at me pretty hard with you know why can't Ingram? Because I said he's not a point guard. And he's never going to be a point guard. Then proceeded to then say, but he's a good playmaker for a wing, which is awesome to have. And but why can't he be a point guard? Because he can't defend point guards. That's you know, it's that cut and dry. Your your position is by who you defend. Can't defend point guards. That's why Contavious Caldwell Pope ends up taking the point guard. Josh Hartkey takes the other smaller wing. And then Ingram defends a guy he's always defended. But that doesn't mean he's not a good playmaking wing. We've seen a million good playmaking wings. You know, just take take the take the compliment for what it was. It's, you know, just he's not a point guard. So, you know, but but that's you know neither here nor there. Another injury, Kawhi Leonard. What a weird situation this one has been. Um, 
he's out, he's, he's coming back, he's out again, we don't talk to him, he's not here, he's angry with the Spurs, blah, 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 and the last news is it sounds like he'll be back at some point this month. So, you know, take, take that for what it's worth. It's Maybe there's finally cracks in the foundation of the you know, most stable franchise in the NBA, San Antonio Spurs, but I think, you know, I think for the most part, we, geez, they're fine, and I think uh, Leonard will hopefully be back and healthy and, and able to help the Spurs in, in a playoff run. They, they become considerably more interesting if he's back and able to play. Yeah, absolutely. I just thought it was weird because Popovich is like, I don't expect him back, and then you know, Woj throws out like what four days later, where it's like, oh, he'll be back in March, and it's yeah. like, what? Yeah, it's like, yeah. Oh. where did that come from? Yeah, it's you know, I don't such know. an odd situation. All right, one uh, near and dear to my heart. I only answer this question about twenty-five times a day. Gordon Hayward, uh, recently. Well, let's go back. Brad Stevens has said from day one, once the extent of the injury was clear, that he did not expect Hayward back this year. That's what he's going to say for two reasons. He has to. He can only coach the guys he has available, so he's got to stay with those guys. And in addition to that, Brad Stevens has to be in a spot where he's not going to put undue expectations on Gordon Hayward from a coach of the Celtics standpoint and from a friend and mentor standpoint. He's just not going to do that. Danny Ainge, though, has kind of left the door open. Recently, though, he came back and said, we don't expect him to return this year, which is kind of the first time he's really phrased it that way. But what's interesting and what people keep keep attaching themselves to is the phrasing has been very specific of we don't expect him to return this year. At no point of the Celtics said he is out for the season. We're not bringing him back. And that's, I think, I think it is purposeful because I think they are leaving that door open potentially a little bit. But I don't think it is, um, you know, something that fans should get too excited about. If anything, what may happen is you could see him do what Paul George did, which is come back and play a handful of games when the Celtics are, you know, ideally they'll be in uh, meaningless games down the stretch because they'll have their playoff seating locked in and get him back. So then he's crossed that mental hurdle by playing in a handful of games going into next season. And then they shut him back down. But that only opens the door for, hey, he could play. He could help us in the playoffs, play him there. So I personally don't think he'll be back this season. But the fact that the team continues to not rule him out, I do. There's something there with that. I don't know what it is, but there's definitely something there with that. Yeah, I mean, I think you're you're right with kind of the mysteria around it. Like there could be something there, but just kind of – I, obviously I'm, I'm a Sixers fan, so I'm not like, you know, diehard know-it-all Celtics guy, but I just wonder like if you're the Celtics and you get late in the season and you're really, really, you know, wanting to, you have a chance, a good chance um, to overtake, the, you know, the Cavaliers to be, you know, come to come out of the East or Toronto to come out of the East. Um, why would you want to reintegrate Gordon Hayward in, to something that he's not accustomed to in the offense. This was, you know, his first year going to be in Boston. You know, he played what? I don't even remember how many minutes it was. Was it like five, five minutes? Yeah. Yep. And, you know, he gets hurt. So he's not integrated to know really how to play with Kyrie, how to play with the other guys like Tatum and Horford, things like that. Not saying that he couldn't excel, but why would you want to mess up the, the season-long chemistry? Then possibly on the other side, maybe re-injure Hayward by bringing him back too soon. So – I, to me, I would just let him fully heal, come back next season, and and you know be ready to dominate. Just my opinion. So, so let me answer there because there's two parts there. 
one, they will 100% not bring him back until he is absolutely fully 100% cleared to play. So there'll be no bringing him back early or anything like that. There's just too much of an investment there. Um, to risk that. The other piece is why would you do it if he is cleared and can come back? Because every time Semi Ojale gets the ball in the corner and hesitates and throws up a bad shot or turns it over, it absolutely drives everyone crazy. And at the minimum, just stick Hayward in the corner, at least he'll shoot it. So, you know, but it's uh no, it's it's yeah, I like I said, I don't think he'll be back, you know, and if he does, hey, that's a you know, pretty you know, that's a pleasant surprise. We're ready to go. All right, we got two more to cover. Same team, two veterans with the absolute circus, the New York Knicks. Jared Jack, who's been a good soldier, is a starting point guard almost all season long till the trade deadline when they picked up Emmanuel Moutier. Now they've gone fully with their younger point guard options. Moutier, Frank Nilakina, and the resurgent Trey Burke, um, who's playing just great for the Knicks. Uh, Jack is open to a buyout, so if that doesn't happen in the next little bit, it's not going to happen, so we'll we'll have to see. I kind of hope they do buy him out because there's always teams looking for veteran point guards, and I'd rather see him catch on with a playoff team that he could, could potentially help. That one's not as interesting, though, as Joe Kim Noah. Now, Joe Kim Noah wants to be bought out, but the Knicks want him to give up more money than what he wants to give up, and he won't do that. So they are kind of in this stalemate where the Knicks have said, go away, we don't want you here. Then he's like, that's what I want to do. I want to go away. But he doesn't want to give back any money. Uh, for a quick refresher for everybody out there, he is owed. And sorry, Knicks fans, so pull over if you're driving. Mm -hmm. um, he, he is owed, after this season ends, another $37.8 million. 18.5 next year, 19.3 the year after that. So it is about as ugly as it can get for a guy who absolutely cannot play um, for the Knicks at this point. And the Knicks are looking at, they're going to have to at some point re-sign Ennis Cantor. They're looking at an extension coming for Chris Apps Porzingis. And that money sitting on the books is just going to look uglier and uglier as we go. So it's it's one of those things where I know there's a lot of talk. The Thunder might want him if he shook free. Um, I believe, I, I can't, the, the Timberwolves, because he's one of Tim's former Bulls guys. Um, that's all been out there. I just... I just I don't think this guy can help anybody. No, I don't either. I mean, I just all right. Well, you we'll close the book on that one. Yeah, quick. I mean, I just don't <laughs> like. I just don't think like for the past two seasons, I don't think he's really been able to to do a ton. And and I don't, I don't know with his. I, I know he's a passionate, fiery guy. I get that. Yeah. Like, and I'm all for competitiveness and and everything like that. But why why would you want somebody that might be a vocal disruption in the locker room? You know, if younger guys take it the wrong way, you know, something like that. And then you also add in that the guy can't move. So yeah. what is he going to give you if he can't rebound the ball or, or defend? He doesn't score. I don't, I don't so much worry about the locker room piece because I think in the right locker room situation, he's okay where he's able to come in with other veterans. I don't, I don't think he's a veteran leader. So I think that's one of the, the struggles. But I think if he's just another vet with other vets around him, I think he'd be all right. And on that case, right, he's probably on a no-risk deal where it's like, all right, dude, you slipped up. We're just going to cut you and move on. Um, like like he would have been fine, I think, in OKC's locker room. I actually think he might be able to help them a little. They, they could use somebody behind Steven Adams. Um, then maybe he can give you, you know, 10 minutes a game. And he's best um, friends with Melo, so, so be, that might – yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. And, you know, and it's, it, 
Donovan was his college coach and all those things. Al Horford recently came out. Now these guys are college teammates and buddies from their Florida days, but Horford came out and said he could absolutely still play and help a team. But I don't know. I just, I'm with you. I think this is done. It's, I think when all is said and done, that is going to be the single worst thing Phil Jackson did um, in his next tenure. Um, and that's only because he didn't trade Porzingis. Had he done that, that would have topped it. Um, and that's and that's even if Porzingis doesn't fully recover from the ACL injury, that still would have been, a, been the dumbest move he could have made. So, you know that that's uh, something to watch here. But I, you know, we're we're it's already as we're recording this, it's almost nine o'clock at night on the first. I don't I don't think he's gonna shake free today, and I'd be you know kind of surprised. This is one though. I wish there was some mechanism where it was like. All right, you you can wait. It's it, almost like a pseudo amnesty clause or something. Cause nobody wants this. It's just you know the Knicks are gonna hold him hostage because he won't give back money. That quite frankly, why should he? You know, he, he, you, maybe you shouldn't have given him that money in the first place. So you know, we'll we'll see we'll see where it lands. So all right, so that's gonna close us out here. We we went a little longer than I thought we would, but we had a lot of news to catch up on since it's been been a bit since we last talked. Um, uh, here on the NBA front office show. Pete, tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Pete Toll NBA. So it's P-E-T-E-T-O-A-L-M-B-A. All right. And our buddy Khan will be back with us for the next episode. If not, we're going to have to fire him and get in a new producer mm-hmm. in here, which that's not going to happen because neither Peter or I wants to do that work. No, he does a so. great job. So. <laughs> he does. Yeah. Hey, more no, power we, to him that he's able to go out and do what he wants. So that's, that's it, man. Yeah. He's, he's, I'm, he's that I'm, young I'm a little jealous. So. <laughs> that's it, man. We live, we live vicariously through you, Khan. I know you'll be listening to this later when you edit and get everything posted. So, so I hope you had a good time with that. So this has been the NBA front office show. I'm your host, Keith Smith. You can find me on Twitter at KeithSmithNBA. Find my work at RealGM.com, FanRagSports.com, as well as Celtics blog for Celtics-specific coverage. And we are part of the Almighty Baller Podcast Network here with the NBA Front Office Show. And we will talk to you next time. plug you put the plug in the drain right ah it's on the dock there's a reason they say curse like a sailor Ah. many reasons progressive's boat insurance has you covered quote today at progressive.com progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates and now an ad from dad save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with progressive Tell you another way to save money. Don't buy those uh, expensive coffees every morning, you know. Then you can save up for a, I don't know, really nice dress shirt. I'm just saying. It's great that you feel comfortable here at work, but, you know, an adult could walk in. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations.